0: his best spot is in the american that's what john gilbert's reiterated the tv money is substantial compared to what you would make in the sun belt that money could go up potentially if you can find a way to add some of these pacific coast schools specifically from the standpoint of hey if you're espn you have this tv deal with the american right, right now, you now you don't, don't have, have the west coast west- presence maybe that you want to have if you if you're familiar with college football You've seen these Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever they call it now, games at 10 o'clock at night. Well, right now, that's not a viable option for ESPN because they don't have a TV contract with any of the West Coast conferences or West Coast schools anymore. So Mike Oresco is pitching to ESPN, hey, give us more money to attract Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State. And if we can do that, we can get these schools into into your league, get them on. ESPN give you a West Coast television window, and in that case, everybody's happy. ESPN has more content to share, specifically at, at late night on the West Coast when they need that that audience. And that's kind of the, the pitch being made now. The money has to be right, though, because if you're, if you're Cal Stanford, they're also holding out for, hey, maybe we can get into the ACC. That was shot down, that possibility most recently. And so right now, on paper, it would seem like maybe the Americans are the best spot for the Pac-4 to land, but there's also rumors out there maybe they try and steal some American schools to go to the Pac. And then, you know, if that happens, then where does ECU fall into that? So there's just a lot of uncertainty right now. Uh, John Gilbert did say several times East Carolina ranks near the top of the league in television viewership, especially from an ESPN Plus standpoint. And I would like to see those numbers firsthand. We can't get them uh, right now. Uh, I have requested with ESPN to try and look at those numbers, how they relate to the rest of the American as far as the ESPN plus and ESPN metrics, but I'm not sure if we'll get our hands on those numbers firsthand, but just know that ECU does rank near the top uh, of, of the league in those standings. All right, let's, let's hear a few more comments here from John Gilbert. He was asked about basically, you know, would you as the athletics director at ECU, John Gilbert was asked, would he be in favor of, of bringing the pack four onto the american this was his response on monday uh this is cut 25 asked about the Pac-4 potentially joining the american
1: when you look at realignment and and you look what's gone on uh going you know back in time to like you know uh i think about the sec adding uh missouri and texas a and m and then different leagues follow the finances are real, like, uh, it, but I also think uh, your, your broadcasting partner, uh, they also have to, um, you know, be willing to help fund those things. And so it, it really is uh, complex when you look at realignment and then you also have exit fees. And, and I go back to, you know, the schools that, that are no longer in our league uh, C- Connecticut, uh, Central Florida, uh, Houston, and Cincinnati—you know—they're they're all paying significant fees uh, to, to leave the leagues, and, and in some benefit, in some regard, we're benefiting from that because, you know, our, our uh, reserve fund and, and the funds that that we get from the American, those schools are all uh, paying in those exit fees that we're going to benefit financially from that.
0: there's john gilbert talking about some some different factors in terms of the financial aspect and he did basically say that he would need more information to kind of make an official comment on if he wants the pack four schools to join the american here's where it comes down if ecu would get more money from the these schools joining the american then ecu is fine with it and more than likely if these schools join the american it could be in a football only capacity You'd likely have two different divisions, unless this thing just goes side, you know, sideways in terms of teams leaving the American. If that happens, then you're probably not going to be traveling to the West Coast but so often to play football games. And if it helps the overall league from a financial and footprint standpoint, then I think it makes sense for East Carolina. But you don't want to be taking your volleyball team to Oregon State. You don't want to be taking your, your baseball team to Stanford. As, as great as that matchup would be, it's still a non-revenue sport, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I, I think more than likely you would see potentially a football-only situation with these schools joining the American. But, again, time will tell. A lot of rumors, a lot of information out there in terms of which way this could go. This is an important date because there's a lot of speculation. August 15th, kind of one of the cutoff dates, or at least around this point to where teams can, can move conferences and, and be in line to compete for the 2024 season. Right now – there is no schedule for Oregon State, Stanford, Washington State, and Cal for the 2024 season. They would have to basically come up with a schedule from scratch. So at some point, they're going to have to make a decision whether or not that's the American will we'll will happen. We'll will know in, in time, I would say. Um, John Gilbert was also asked an interesting question what he thinks about a revenue tier system within the conference. This is Cut 26, Clark. And basically, you're seeing some speculation that certain teams and and, and certain leagues would get paid more money based upon tv viewership how much interest there is i don't know how sustainable this is long term but this is one of the discussions john gilbert was asked about this what what are his thoughts on a tiered revenue model as far as a split between potential conferences
1: some of the conferences that have realigned and you see the the large talk uh in the acc about a a tier distribution system. Um, I I think you have to look, you know, if you you look at uh, one of the strongest leagues is the Southeastern Conference, and and I spent 20 plus years in that league, there is a consistent distribution model uh, in that league. Uh, Now, some teams make more than others, depending on uh, NCA units and basketball and, and some other things. But, but by and large, the distribution's uh, pretty equal. I, I think from a positive standpoint, if you go to a tiered model, uh, depending on the league you're in, the tiered model, if we do it on actual viewership, not your TV market, I feel pretty good about where the Pirates are because we do get a lot of people that watch our
0: events. You always have this arguments as there's John Gilbert talking about the the tiered model and the potential of that happening. Whether that happens to the American, I don't know. You know, Maybe Stanford's trying to say that they're worth more money uh, than some of these schools in the American. And based upon some of the things we've heard in the past with conference expansion, you could say maybe that's a possibility. But you've got the argument of markets. I've never been a big fan of it. You look at all these SEC schools in terms of market size, their actual market size are is pretty small but then you look at their fan bases and their fan bases and their interest level regionally and nationally in those areas uh are are big and i think ecu fits that profile in some regards i'm not saying they belong in the sec but just in terms of yeah it's a smaller market on paper but you've got several pirate alumni i know for our site hoist the colors we've got a ton of subscribers in raleigh a ton of subscribers in charlotte up to dc up to the northeast and those people aren't counted in the ecu market but you got a big university that graduates several thousand students a year those people gone to move to different parts of the country they're still interested and they still watch ecu specifically ecu football and it's disappointing that that's not counted in with ecu's market size so um that's why when John Gilbert's referencing those numbers, those numbers are what they are because you've got so many fans across the country. Maybe they're not in eastern North Carolina, but they're watching the Pirates. That should be more of a something that is taken into account during this expansion than maybe isn't. For example, people could look at Charlotte, the 49ers, and say, hey, they're in a big market. But who in Charlotte really care, cares about Charlotte football right now? Um, so that's just a couple of thoughts there and you know it's it's good to see at least you do have some numbers from an espn viewer perspective that back up you know what we kind of know so there's a couple comments again you can watch the full john gilbert interview on our 94.3 the game youtube page also hoist the colors youtube page we got it up as well Reaction online on the Hoist of the Colors message board. We'll continue to bring you that. We got an article up with some of the comments as well. We'll try to get John in studio in the coming weeks. Maybe we can expand upon that as some of this conference realignment stuff breaks out. Maybe we'll get some more information by the end of this week in what direction the Americans headed, what direction East Carolina's headed. Uh, but, it, you know, it always makes us uneasy because conference realignment is often never the friendliest to ECU, really outside of the time the Pirates got into the American, then the Big East back heading into the 2014 uh, year when they first joined the Americans. So we'll continue to pass along the latest information we have, as always, on Hoist the Colors and 94 Through the Game. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. If you got a comment, question, we do have the audio up now on YouTube and Facebook. Drop it there. I'll get to it by the end of the show. We've got Riley Davis ECU basketball assistant coach, he's up next. We're going to talk some Pirate hoops. Big year ahead for Mike Schwartz's team. Coming off the most wins in, I think, nine years for the program. A lot of guys coming back. We'll talk about how the offseason is going. On the other side, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We'll be right back with David Davis.
2: The Pirates play here. Arr. This is Hoist the Colors Radio with Stephen and Yes! That was so good! On 94.3 The Game.
0: All right, welcome back into Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We talked conference expansion. Heard some comments from John Gilbert in our first segment. We're going to transition now. We may talk some more at the end of the show. If you got a question, drop it on Facebook, YouTube. But we're going to transition now. Talk some Pirate basketball. A lot of excitement this offseason for Mike Schwartz's program. Let's head out to the phone lines. Let's catch up with Riley Davis. He's in his second year as an assistant coach on Mike Schwartz's staff. Coach, how's your offseason going?
2: Man, it's good right now. The uh, We only got a couple players here right now, so it's, so it's awesome. But uh, we had a couple months before that. And it was good, man. Just a lot of shooting, I can tell you that. A lot of shooting.
0: Were well, the shots going in is the real question.
2: Oh, man. Hey, no, the, the real question is are they going to go in when there's a defense on us in the game? That's the real question. Fair enough. But, no, they're, they're, they got it. Hey, man, one thing about shooting – If you practice it, you get better. There's really no science to it. So, yeah, they're going in at a good rate, especially uh, compared to how they were shooting it last year at this time. But, yeah, so that's about player development. That's what we really focused on this this summer.
0: We're busy with Riley Davis, assistant coach for East Carolina basketball, and Coach, a lot of a lot of excitement this off season for this team, especially given what y'all have coming back. So, from a coaching perspective, you know, y'all, y'all had your growing pains last year. You knew there were going to be some ups and downs, but a, a ton of young players made an impact, and y'all retained basically all those guys. So, just how much, you know, better are you sleeping these days? At least you kind of know what you have going into this off season, and also trying to develop them.
2: No doubt. I mean, th- and that's you know how coach. Schwartz, that's what he wants to do, develop young guys. You know, that's his emphasis. Uh, but knowing what you have going into it, oh my gosh. It's, uh, you know, what it does is it allows you to work on what you know your weaknesses are. And when you don't know what you have, you don't know what your weaknesses are. So, uh, no, sleeping is a lot easier, but I, I think when you're coaching, uh, sleep's never really great anyway. So, <laughs> it's better, but that, uh, that's all relative.
0: No doubt, I can I can relate to you there, Coach. And when you look at th- this group of returning players, and you know we kind of in the media or as, as fans kind of look at it and see guys like R.J. Felton and kind of just assume that somebody like R.J. and maybe even a Brandon Johnson, given the the amount of uh, you know minutes they've played, are leaders on the court. You know, in practice, have you seen guys kind of make a, a growth in leadership? This you know this off from a confidence and also the fact they've played perspective.
2: Man, there's no doubt. I mean, it's really been. I don't know what the word would be, but in, in such an age where where you're recruiting transfers, 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 you you lose that joy sometimes with, with that you get in developing and watching guys grow, and it's been really refreshing. Man, to see these guys, the returners, because we know what they were last year, and we see what they are at this point right now, and watching their growth and confidence—I mean, it, it's been incredible watching them be more assertive. Uh, there were the guys you mentioned, uh, Brandon and RJ, uh, but but man, to get, Jaden Walker—I mean, was he was outstanding this summer? He was so much more assertive his personality is naturally laid back. I mean, he's the kind of guy that is amazing around kids. He's lovable. He he, he just treats people so well. Uh, but that laid back nature can hold him back sometimes. And I'm telling you, the guy has turned it up a level of competitiveness and intensity, uh, assertiveness, whatever word you want to say. And, Man, it's been so awesome to see that. Obviously, guys are going to get better at skills. But, you know, it's really hard to change mentality sometimes. And and he's been incredible. So he's one guy specifically. But, you know, Brandon, he's a naturally quiet person. uh, Very reserved, typically. We've seen him kind of separate himself in terms of, hey, I'm not just going to follow the crowd. I know the answers to the test, and I'm going to I'm going to bring people with me. So he's kind of upped his level of uh, maybe alpha mentality. And then R.J., you know, he's – everybody knows this. R.J., like those other two, he's extremely special in his own sense. I mean, he's – RJ's the kind of guy that, you know, if he sees someone and their car is broken down on the – side of the road he's a he's a good samaritan he's going to stop and help he's going to give you the shirt off his back and he's just got an unbelievable heart for people and so he he's naturally you know got that in him and he what we're seeing in him is a a, a confidence increase in his ability as a player and he's always had the love for the game and the work ethic but he's seeing it pay off and it's kind of increased his confidence tenfold. Um, You know, Ezra, he obviously has been recovering from that shoulder injury, but he's been back, and he's been into it, and he's kind of getting back into the groove of it. But I'll tell you this, he's the only guy I've probably ever seen that obviously through your rehab you're going to get out of shape. He might be the only guy that can step in and still win the race. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's such a gifted athlete and human being. Just in general, he's, he's a very in depth thinker. So, uh, you know, Caleb LeCount, he's been incredible. His, Caleb, he, he's just his way, he's limited in size. I mean, any, anybody can look at him and know that, but he's, he's starting to make up for it. And, and again, his level of assertiveness and, you know, his strength is getting to the paint and being a leader. He's a natural leader. He really is. People gravitate to him. Uh, He's been great. Valentino, I mean, who the fans don't know much about probably, but he didn't play a lot last year. He's got just an elite IQ and feel. Uh, He's had to to increase his toughness, which he's – I mean, you can make an argument he's already got an elite level of toughness in his own way, but his physicality, you know, he's mentally – very tough. His physicality had to increase. I mean, he's emerged. I mean, there's you. You might walk into our practice and in some ways say that Val is, you know, in, in some ways the X factor that makes everything go. But uh, then you got Ben. Uh, you know, Ben on paper he's as talented as you can get. I mean, he's got athleticism, size, uh, length competitiveness, he loves defense. Uh, I mean, there are days when you see Ben and you're like, dude, looks like Scottie Pippen. So, I mean, I'm not trying to hype these guys up too much, but I'm trying to say that these guys have really improved. And another guy that has really jumped off the page on a level with Jaden, in my opinion, is uh, is Quentin. Uh, you know, Quentin, he's got all the tools. You know, he looks the part. Uh, big, strong, athletic, can make shots, but sometimes he's, he has struggled putting it all together. I'm telling you, man, this dude is – he's coming along too. I mean, now, this uh, we don't have any adversity right now, so everybody kind of looks good in these moments. I, mean, I would argue everybody across the country is going to talk about their players with positivity, so – but they've definitely gotten better confidence and skill-wise, there is no doubt.
0: With Riley Davis, ECU basketball assistant coach. And yeah, I was gonna ask about Quentin and Ben coach because you just you saw the flashes last year. I mean, both of them, like you said, they looked apart. The I know kind of that that wing, that three spot is kind of a big key for this team. You know, Jaden mm-hmm. can play there, but he can also play on the points. So you know, how do you how do you challenge a Quentin and a Ben Baela in the offseason when maybe they need that adversity to kind of continue to to get better?
2: Well, I think with Coach, man, Coach Schwartz is just so elite at that stuff because he just tells them where they stand. And if we did our job recruiting, you know, the thing that Coach really wants to do is recruit guys that are competitive. And he does that because he knows that when he tells them the truth where they stand, that a naturally competitive person is going to up his level of play, you know, so – there's no mind games with Coach. It's not confusing with him. He'll tell you you are at, at this place on the depth chart, and he expects you to get here, and guys rise to the uh, challenge. So I, I think the way that you motivate them is you just tell them the truth, and that's all Coach. Man, that's just what he's great at. He's just upfront, direct with people, and the players love it, respect it, and respond.
0: Listening back and and seeing what Ezra did last year, and we didn't know at the time how injured his shoulder was. It's kind of amazing he had the the season he had. And he told us earlier on this program this spring that he felt like that kind of limited his shooting ability. How much have you seen oh, yeah. that early early on this this summer? You know, is he is he trying to expand that range, and how has that gone?
2: Yeah, for sure. Now, where where it really hurt Ezra was his ability to practice shooting. Um, Maybe not necessarily like when he shot a shot in the game, did it hurt. But the, the mass volume that's required to improve shooting, he just quite honestly wasn't able to do. I mean, he would have games and his shoulder would fall out. And I don't know if anybody ever knew that, but that's just the truth. Um, his shoulder fell out of place multiple times because the structurally it just wasn't sound. And to be honest, most people wouldn't have played. And he had that option, but the dude wanted to play it. I mean, he's got an elite level of toughness there. Um, But he's really been, uh, we haven't been able to do just a whole awful lot because coming back from that surgery, you don't want to overdo it. Uh, But he's been able to for sure get in the gym and get up shots, and it's coming along, there's no doubt about it. It's not where um, what I would argue he would say it needs to be, uh, but he's at least able to practice it. And that, you know, he's made them in practice, and obviously when he's doing it on his own. But it's translated a little bit to practice. Now he's not shooting a ton of them in practice, but, um, you know, the the dude, he, I don't know how you play basketball if you can't, if you have a torn labrum. I mean, I, I was, I've never seen anything like that, but that was the first for me. So I have a lot of respect for the dude.
0: No doubt, I, I definitely know I couldn't do it, uh, Coach. Let's, oh. talk, let's talk about some of the, uh, the the newcomers, and we'll start with the transfers. And I know Bobby Pettiford has been a little banged up this offseason, season, but I know y'all got a lot of, of looks at him before he had his uh, injury. So, what have you seen from Bobby Pettiford, the Kansas transfer, uh, to this point?
2: Well, first and foremost, just who he is as a guy. You know he 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 has what you know I think most would describe as an elite. EQ, emotional quotient. He has a, an emotional and social feel for people that is special. Uh, he, he can walk in a room, and he can know who's feeling down, who's feeling up, and he can know who needs to help. And how, I mean, it's just that's what you want in your point guard. So just beyond skill and ability, he's got it in the mind, and, and that is very special. But from a basketball standpoint, you know, he just – What I've been amazed by him is his ability to continuously put pressure on the defense. You know, the ball isn't sticking in his hands. He's not making indecisive plays in the paint. He can get to the paint. He's fast. He can get by you. He can make the passes. He's not wired to score because, you know, he's an old-school point guard. He's wired to get other guys involved. Uh, But he can make an open three, and he's proven it. And it's been very surprising in practice. We've been pumped about it. Um, you know, he's not hunting it for himself, but I'm telling you, there's just there's things that he's able to do that don't that are never going to show up in the in in his individual box score, but they'll be reflected in the overall team. And it's just his ability to keep the ball moving. When he catches the ball, he's doing something intelligent with it. And more often than not, he's getting a paint touch, which is a big deal. I mean, without paint touches, you know, you're going to struggle. And he's a guy that we would consider a paint touch guy that can finish and kick it out in the paint.
0: You guys also brought in Cam Hayes, the transfer, of course, started his at NC State, then with the LSU. I know y'all are trying to see if he's going to be eligible or not for this season as a two time undergrad transfer. And uh, what have you seen from Cam? And then also, kind of from a coaching perspective, how do you obviously prepare for the possibility of him being available versus, you know, potentially not being available.
2: Absolutely. Obviously we hope he's going to be available, but, you know, we, we just – there's so much we don't know. Um, we don't have any data um, as to, to who's getting cleared just because they've revamped, revamped the, uh, this appeal process. So I wish we could have a better feel that's been the, the hardest part is just absolutely having no data as a coach. You're always trying to make an educated guess, but this is literally just a coin toss. You just don't know right now. But um, so you, with that, you try to temper your expectations. Um, but also with that, you try to do the best you can, coaching him every day and not let it get in the way. And the, the, the guy is incredibly skilled. I mean, as – skilled as a as a guard as we will have in this conference. Uh, just his ability to dribble, past shoot. Um, where Cam, you know, where he's been challenged by coach is to take that next step and don't just look good without making all the right plays, but hey, your team wins. When you're going five on five, make sure your team wins. And we do count wins um, in the summer. And if I'm not mistaken, he may have led the team in win win percentage. So, another guy that's responded to the challenge, and, and another thing that's occurred credit to coach is, you know, coaches recruited Cam Hayes for like five years. I mean, every <laughs> recruited him in high school, recruited him when he left NC State, recruited him again when he came here. Uh, so he knows that dude as well as anybody, and so he was direct with him in the recruitment process, and obviously in the coaching process, and. Cam's just another guy that upped his level.
0: Three freshmen uh, as far as scholarship players coming in, Coach, and to Corey Faison, who I'm still trying to figure out uh, how he only had, you know, a few offers coming out of Goldsboro High School, but a big-time talent, and then Sear Malonga and Callum Richard, the two big guys. What have you seen from these freshmen thus far?
2: Well, like all freshmen, uh, and this is good. This is good. It means we, we've we got our our older guys where we want them. Uh, the phrase we would use is they're drinking water from a fire hose right now. There's just so much information is being thrown at them that they can barely retain any of it. But with that said, you know, you always look back at at what you did in recruiting and you think, man, did we get this right? And you got to be honest with yourself with those three guys. There's no doubt about it. Coach Schwartz got that right. There is no doubt about it. Um, Just talking about Sear, you know, you can make the argument Sear has the highest ceiling on our team Uh, with his height, his length, his athleticism, and his motor. Usually you're trying to get the freshman motor up. Sear, that's not a problem. I mean, that's kind of all he does is play hard. Um, If he can continue to learn the Overall feel of the game, and by the way, he's only been playing for like three or four years. Um, if he can get all that stuff down, I mean, the, the guy is going to make a lot of money playing this game, and he loves the game. He works at it. Um, Callum <laughs> hey, Callum is a he's a guy that can really score on the block, and he's one of maybe like ten players in the country that can. As a high school senior, with with actual size, you know, deer measured at six eleven without shoes. Callum measured at six ten without shoes. Both of them have put on a lot of weight in the summer. Callum Callum literally went from two twenty five, I believe it was, to two forty four in two months. So he almost put on twenty pounds in two months, and, and we anticipated that because he's a humongous frame, but. There's just not a lot of players that can score on the block anymore. That's not how, they're, how they come up in America for whatever reason. I don't know. But Down's the type of guy you can throw him the ball and he can score on the block. Now, what he's got to get better at, and this is what Coach has been up front with him with, is the next play mentality. All right, go to the next play. All right, next play, next play, next play. Uh, he's, and that, you know, that's motor. That's motor. That's, you know, thinking a step ahead and just competing because the speed of the game is so fast for him right now. Uh, and Takori, I'm with you. Uh, we all are. How did he not have more attention coming out of high school? No idea. Uh, but you know, with yeah, you know, he's a guy that can dribble past and shoot, and he's got to, his passing has got to improve. I mean, he can really he's really wired to score. You know, if if Takori went into a pickup game and just concentrated, you know what? I'm going to see how many guys I can get a shot. I'm going to see how well I pass the ball. That's the kind of stuff that will really benefit him. Because I don't know if he's ever – I mean, the the guy was born a scorer. And that is uh, something you really look for in recruiting because uh, scoring is so hard. Offense isn't necessarily the most easy thing. Um, so if you got guys that can score naturally, you're going to help yourself. They're going to make you look like a better coach. So, so Corey's got that. Uh, kind of guy that can make bad shots, you know, highly contested shots. And uh, if his teammates were here, they would laugh at that. Because sometimes he's like a magnet. If you contest his shot, it's almost more likely to go in. It's kind of funny. But, you know, defense is something he's really been working at. That's, again, Coach Schwartz has been all over him about that. So, Tecori's had some tough days. Tecori has had some days where coaches really challenged him. Uh, Channel's like, hey, you're never gonna play if you don't play defense. And cory is such a good dude and such a pleaser. You know, he he's responding. And and the, you know, I just said Sear might have the highest ceiling, but one could argue Takori does as well. Just he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. He looks like he's thirty five years old. Um uh, He can really score. He could be the best defender uh, in the conference. Uh, I mean, the guy's got a real chance, but there's some in-between stuff that he's got to work on. And like all high school guys, when when you get into college, there's a lot more to the game than you realize, and specifically a lot more to working at the game than you realize. So all of them have had their ups and downs, but what I would tell you, is we we're lucky to have all three of them, and there is no doubt about that.
0: We're visiting with Riley Davis, ECU basketball assistant coach, and uh, we had a poster on hoist the colors. Coach, kind of asked about the the walk ons as well. Evan Montanari, uh, Montanari, and also Grant Smith. If you could just give us a a quick uh, update on how they're doing early on.
2: Man, I'm Stephen. I'm glad you asked me about them, man. I <laughs> I wanted to talk about them in that previous one, but I know you didn't specifically say them, so. Thank you for asking about them because they deserve attention and credit because those two guys are, they're, they're, they're huge in our success. You know, with, with coach, coach Schwartz was a former walk-on at Texas. So the value of the walk-on is a, there's a premium on them. It's, just, it's not just some guy that stands on the sideline and, you know, gets cool gear, you know, they've got to get in practice and, Take a take a beating, and Evan Montanari is a flat out shooter. I mean, he can he shoots the cover off the ball. He can stroke it. it. He loves the game. He's competitive. He's just getting adjusted to the speed of it all, like all freshmen. But I'm telling you, he has an elite skill shooting. He moves the ball. He's not indecisive with it. I mean, in pickup games, in sometimes Evans the most highly sought-after guy when guys are picking teams uh, because of his ability to shoot the basketball, and they all know it. I mean, if he doesn't shoot one, his teammates are screaming at him. I mean, he can shoot that thing. Um, Grant, Grant's got a special level of toughness to him. And I, and I mean that. And there's probably not a better compliment that a coach can give to a player than to speak on their toughness. Um, you know, Grant severely rolled his ankle um, coming back from after the first summer session. When he went home for the 4th of July, he, he rolled his ankle, a severe ankle sprain. And that dude did not miss a beat in practice. He made his times. Uh, he competed, he got offensive rebounds, he defended, uh, on an ankle that, if it were me, I, I I mean, I would be in the training room with Nate, you know, I'm telling you, like, that, and that's where you almost get emotional, talking about these guys, because obviously a walk-on, you're not on scholarship, but they're giving it, they're all for you, and I think that's all, I think the band, they, the dudes just love Coach Schwartz, I mean, he just has a way with them, that guys love to compete for him, I, it's a special talent that, shoot, I don't know if Coach was born with it. He learned it. I have no idea, but he's got it. So, uh, but yeah,
0: Coach, you got me fired up for basketball. No, we're we're only eighteen days away from kickoff at the Big House with ECU football, but I'm ready for tip-off, man. Are you are you ready yeah, for tip-off? Is,
2: man. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for tip-off. But you know what? It seems like basketball just never stops. Now, I I would be interested to see compared to the rest of the sports what what the difference is as far as. Uh, time allowed to practice and the gaps in between. So, honestly, I don't, it, sometimes it doesn't feel like we ever stopped. It, 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 the season ends, they get about oh, a couple weeks off, and then shoot, you're back at it.
0: No doubt. It never stops. It's college sports never sleeps, especially with the portal now and just everything going on. Well, coach, we'll, we'll let you get well, back fine. to it. I, I appreciate the time on today's program. We'll have to get you in studio sometime. I know we're going to try and catch up with a few of the other uh, assistants as well. But uh, we appreciate the time, and and we're fired up for hoops, man. Thanks,
2: man. I, I appreciate you, Stephen. Hey, sorry for being so long-winded. You probably had like ten more questions. You're like, God, Lee, Coach Davis won't get off the phone. So
0: hey, I, I, makes our I job easier, man. No, nah, that was great, man.
2: All, all right, dude. I'll talk to you, man.
0: All right, Riley Davis. Appreciate his time. Awesome interview, as always, Coach Davis. We'll see him out of practice soon enough as the season. Approaches It'll be here before you know it in November when the Pirates tip things off. All right, let's get our break in. We'll be back. We'll catch up with the coordinators from the ECU football team. We talked to Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell after practice on Monday. We'll have some of those comments and some reaction to that as well. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.
2: Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors.
0: Aha, ha Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back to this edition of Hoist the Colors, awesome stuff from Riley Davis. I'm fired up for hoops, man. I really like this roster, really like this team, and now I'm even more fired up after that conversation with Coach Davis. We'll we'll try and get Mark Adams on, the new assistant coach as well, on Coach Schwartz's staff, former head coach at Texas Tech, on in the coming weeks and more of the assistance leading into the season. Let's have a quick football update. We've got to get another break in in a, a minute or two. But uh, let's hit a few of these these cuts before we get out of here today. We talked to the coordinators, Blake Carroll, Donnie Kirkpatrick. Let's start with cut 35, Clark, uh, where the defense is at this point. Uh, a few weeks in the camp, here's Blake Carroll after practice. All right. So I don't think that was Blake Carroll. That may have been uh, – that must have been uh, Minnie Mouse or something. I don't know. Do we have Do we have the real Blake Harrell? <laughs> all right, all right. Let's try. Uh, let's try cut Thirty seven. He talked about Taylor Jackson, who has been a linebacker in a li- linebacker room. What? We don't have the cuts. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna table the cuts. We'll try and get them in our next segment. All right, so Blake Carroll did talk about I'll give you a rundown, and you can listen to the full press conference online, 94.3 The Game uh, YouTube page. There's been a lot of of talk about the linebackers, who's going to step up at linebacker. Taylor Jackson's been one of the guys Blake Carroll has mentioned from day one. He may be a new name to people who don't follow the program, but he is a fourth-year player. I expect him to play a lot this year. He's looked good in practice, looks noticeably bigger. I think he's going to start and and won't miss much of a beat from some of the linebackers, uh, you know who who are going to play or who played last year. I think he's going to be just as good, if not better, in terms of athleticism and footwork and speed. All right, we, we are good to go. Let's all right. Let's hear from Taylor Jackson or let's hear from Blake Harrell about Taylor Jackson. As Scott Lurbatcher on YouTube says, Alvin and the Chipmunks got a lot to say. Uh, cut thirty-seven. Taylor Jackson at camp.
3: Turns out to me that really has just been here. Uh, since it, you know the first day I got in the building, has worked his tail off. You know, at times last year he, he, he was even talking about red certain so he could save a year. Uh, but he ended up freaking playing all our special teams last year. Uh, started in the bowl game, was in the mix uh, at linebacker last year, and that's Taylor Jackson. And he's just done a really good job of taking ownership of uh, of that room, taking a lot of pride about himself, a lot of pride about how he does things. Uh, every day this summer, he, he was in the building um, and just kind of. Absorbing everything he can to be the best linebacker he can. So, just really excited about him. You know, he's a fourth year player. We um, hadn't seen him much in, in starting role up to this point, but uh, so far in camp, he looks like he, he could be a starter in there. It's
0: Taylor Jackson, or Blake Heron Taylor Jackson. We got to get another break in. We'll come back. We'll hit maybe another one of these cuts or two. Before we get out of here today, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. That was Blake Harold, not Alvin and the Chipmunks, by the way. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, let's go. Back to go.
2: Hoist the Colors go. with Steve and Ico. on 94.3 The Game.
0: All right, welcome back into the program, Tuesday, August 15th. Let's hit another one of these cuts before we wrap up today's show. We're continuing with our ECU coordinators, Blake Harrell. We caught up with him, the defensive coordinator over at ECU after Monday's practice. Cut 40, or cut 39, Clark. How length on the back end has helped this defense? Let's touch on that.
3: Certainly, it makes my job easier. I mean, Siobhan Revel, good look at him. Uh, The jump ball goes up, he's going to win most of those. Those 50 50 balls are no longer 50 50 balls when you're tossing up to Siobhan. And, uh, you know, Siobhan's had a a good camp so far. And he's a guy that, you know, we got to keep putting him in tough situations to make sure he's going to respond, make sure he's a guy we can count on on game day. Uh, but, you know, he, he's made a difference for us out there, just being able to play some more aggressive coverages, some things like that, um, and so really excited about him. And, you know, B.J. Davis is another one of the length. What we, we got to get through, just the point I just talked about, is just consistency there. Uh, Sam Danka is a guy that's really long, that shows some flashes. Still a young guy. but he got to start playing like an older guy so we can get him on the grass.
0: A lot of added length to this ECU football team, being out of practice so much in August, you can see it. Saw it back in the spring saw it a lot more this preseason with some new additions as well and you know we'll see how it affects the passing game that's an area ecu actually struggled in last year 131 out of 133 teams in the fbs i expect that number to improve dramatically this this season all right that'll do it for today's program tomorrow we will have a new guest bobby harward used to be on east carolina's coaching staff under ruff mcneil he was a GA and a quality control guy so we'll have Bobby on really throughout the season coming up this fall he's been a regular on the hoist the colors podcast we're going to talk a lot of football X's and O's with Bobby throughout the fall we'll get him on tomorrow all right this has been hoist the colors we'll be back with you tomorrow at 12 noon